Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your hosts, Jeannie Walters and Adam Toporek, are two of the most recognized and respected names in customer experience, and they've dedicated themselves to helping you improve your customer experiences. And now, it's time for Adam and Jeannie. So, Jeannie, there's been a debate in customer experience for quite a while, and that debate has been who is first, who comes first? Put Me. the customer first. Well, okay, oh, sorry. sorry. I, I thought you were you were saying it was between you or me. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, exactly. Obviously, it is, and obviously, you come first. We all know this. Uh, <laughs> I I really wish there was a way to do an audio eye roll, but there's really not. So. We need like a slide whistle. Wah, wah. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're gonna have to do a video one day, just so I can eye roll appropriately for the audience. <laughs> All right, Jeannie. Anyways, the debate in customer experience and not in your own mind is who comes first, the employees, the customers, both, even though you can't really have, uh, you know, two things come first. And, you know, it's it's been a debate uh, mm -hmm. to some degree. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, just sort of, I don't know what I'd say, anecdotal um, mm -hmm. opinions about it. Uh, the data is interesting, all over the, is all over the map. But one of the things we found out, and our guest today, Annette Franz, talks about this, is you know things have changed. We, we've had this debate, but um, you know now we're in, in an employee crisis, right. and employees are sort of front and center. Mm -hmm. And I think that what Annette does so well is really talk about how things have to go together, and you have to make sure that you're connecting the dots between the people who are building the products and serving your customers and the customers at the end of all of that who are using those products and requiring that service. And I think that's a bigger discussion that we continue to have, but she breaks it down into 10 principles. And I think we had a great conversation. We absolutely did. We did forget to tell uh, Annette that the answer is that Jeannie comes first, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll reach out to her privately. <laughs> She'll, she's going to come out with an updated version of the book just <laughs> <Exactly>. for that. <laughs> 2.0, the Jeannie edition. Yes, yes, exactly. Ooh, that would be so nice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I suppose I should tell you a little bit about Annette because we're so excited that she joined us for this interview. Annette Franz, CCXP, founder and CEO of CX Journey Inc., has spent the last 30 years in the customer experience profession. She's an internationally recognized customer experience thought leader, coach, keynote speaker, and author of Customer Understanding, Three Ways to Put the Customer in Customer Experience and at the Heart of Your Business. In her new book, Built to Win, Designing a Customer-Centric Culture that Drives Value for Your Business, she outlines the importance of customer understanding through listening, characterizing, and empathizing to develop a customer-centric culture. Annette is a certified customer experience professional and an official member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Annette, we are so happy you're here with us on Crack the Customer Code. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I always love talking to you guys, so this is awesome. <laughs> yes, welcome back. Another repeat customer. Yay. Must, must be our service. 
It must be. <laughs> it definitely is. Well, definitely. congrats. I know you've got a new book out and we're going to talk about it, Built to Win. And first thing, you know, as a fellow author, we've talked about these things before. Like you really got to have in mind who you're writing a book for. So let's start with that. Who is this book for? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's it's actually, it's it's there's a there's one answer but there's a second answer too right the the real answer is is leaders of an organization right this is you know how the first book was more tactical and how to do things and how to get things done this one is really um, written to inspire leaders to think differently about culture, about customer centricity, what that means, what it means to develop a customer centric culture and what all that takes. So that is really who the book is written for. And, and the other, the other audience um, is the audience that thinks that, you know, or don't really understand what customer centricity means or what a customer centric culture is. Cause I was seeing so many messages about, you know, this person's being customer centric, this department's customer centric, this marketing is customer centric or whatever. And it's like, no, it's a little bit deeper than that. Right. To be mm -hmm. customer centric, it's really, you know, at the heart of the business, it's, it's runs through your DNA. So that was sort of between those two uh, audiences. That's why I wrote the book. Well, and I love your uh, subtitle here, designing a customer centric culture that drives value for your business. Amen. And alleluia. Right? Uh, so, <laughs> um, but let's talk about culture specifically, because right. I think sometimes we throw around that term. Yep. And the three of us have certainly had lots of conversations about, you know, why that's so important for customer experience. But what do you recommend to really ensure a customer centric culture? What are some of the things that you highlight in the book? So, well, obviously the whole book is about that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the 10 principles are really all about that. But when it comes to culture, it really is so culture to me is core values plus behaviors, right? So we have the core values. And then for each of those core values, we define associated behaviors or, or unacceptable behaviors, um, whatever the case may be for that core value. As long as we have some customer driven core values in there, I think that's what's really going to make all the difference for the business to become customer centric or to help become customer centric. Obviously, there's a lot of things that go into that. And, and I'll give you an example. I was working with a client about a year ago, and they were constantly butting heads with their customers, right? They didn't trust them. They, they kept saying that customers were calling them because they wanted stuff, right? Just to get stuff. They're returning things just for the sake of returning. They used it. They want their money back, whatever it was, right? It was just really nasty. And so we took a look at their core values. We took a look at their culture, but we took a look at their core values. And after, you know, many conversations came up with a core value called customer trust. And we um, defined the behaviors that were acceptable and behaviors that were unacceptable um, relative to this core value. And so socialized, you know, defined it, socialized it, operationalized it, all that good stuff. And I followed up with the client a couple months later just to say, you know, hey, how is that working out for you? And she basically said, you know what, it's just easy. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's happened and it's just easy. We don't have the same battles between the front line and the customer, you know, whether it's sales or it's customer support or whoever it is, right? We don't have those battles. If a customer calls and they're, you know, we're not sure what we're going to do about it. We just err on the side of, we trust the customer and what a difference it's made for the business. What a difference it's made for employees too, because it's certainly made their lives a lot easier too. Yeah. That's, that's a great example because I think, and your point at the end there, like, Employees don't want to work in a place where they have to say no yeah. all the time or where yeah. they hear all those complaints. And just that that tweak to those values can make a big, big difference. That's a great yeah. example. 
Yeah, I'd love to dig into that example, actually, because one of the things I found is when you have employees that don't trust customers, that's usually in a culture of distrust. Right. Uh, so were, was management having trouble trusting the employees? Was there a lack of empowerment? Is that one of the things that ended up changing as part of this overall change? Yeah, there there was definitely that, right? The the interesting thing about core values is, and, and customer-centric core values even, is not that it's just about how do we now interact with our customers. It's also how do we interact with each other? And it's not just employees, it's leaders too, right? Yeah. <laughs> the core values aren't just, it's not what's good for the goose is good for the gander. You know, I mean, it's not just, it's not just for the employees to live and breathe these core values. Leaders have to do that too. And, and it just became you know, trust, it ultimately just became about trust and, and the culture shifted mm. internally and, you know, the way that we interact with each other or the way they interacted with each other and the way they interacted with uh, folks outside of the organization. Awesome. That's great. So let's get back into the book because you have 10 principles and I'd like to you to explain each one for about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then, let's, uh, let's All right, just right, right. in. Everybody just, just settle, everybody just settle in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but no, you've got ten principles, which I I love. It makes it manageable, and let's just pick one. There's one that really intrigued me because uh, it's got a cool title: uh, "Employees More First. So tell us a little bit about that idea. Yeah, yeah. So interestingly enough, that that whole concept comes from a book that was written by Hal Rosenbluth. It's called "The Customer Comes Second. And it's a great read. It's from the early 1990s. It's so funny because um, I'll just sidebar here for a minute. It's so funny because you read this book and you're like, he could have written this today, mm -hmm. you know? And even when he talks about the technology and fax machines <laughs> <laughs> and, and how, how fax machines worked and didn't work or whatever it was, you know, you go, gosh, I, I, we're experiencing those same, it's just different technology, but we're talking about it the same way. <laughs> so it's pretty funny, but but he, it's a great book. Um, it's hard to find these days, but it is a great read. And in it, that's his, that's his mantra. If we're going to put customers first, we have to put the employee more first because the employee experience drives the customer experience. Without employees, we have no customer experience. Without employees, we have nobody to build our products, design our products, sell our products, service our products, you know, deliver our services, whatever it is, right? And so, um, so yeah, so it's, if we don't take care of our employees, they're certainly not going to take care of our customers because I, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. I was working with a client uh, a couple of years ago. And usually when I start working with a new client, I interview the executive team, um, a sampling of employees and a sampling of customers. And this one statement from this one employee, like pretty much summed it all up for me. And that it's, it's actually what solidified my definition of all the components of, of what makes a great customer experience. He said, I don't have the tools and the resources to do my job and, and, the, the, and, and serve my customers the way that they deserve to be served. Right. And it's mm -hmm. such a great quote about that connection between the employee experience and the customer experience. Yeah. And I think that when we, when we think about how um, operationalized the employee experience has become in some ways, you know, we've got all these tools and technology and everything else. There are so many ways that we put layers between the customer and the employee in many cases. And so it's not, it's not uncommon for them to just completely lose touch with who they're actually serving. So I love the idea of investing in a customer-centric culture because you have people who are not customer-facing but are 
very important yeah. <laughs> to the customer experience. So yeah. it all Truly. goes together. Yeah, it, it really does. And that's really, and you know, I think that's ultimately what a customer centric culture is. I mean, I could have called the book or I could have called it people centric or people first mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, because th three of the other principles are people come before products, profits and metrics, right? And so mm -hmm. it really is about let's put the people first and remember that the business is made up of people on both sides, right? We've got employees who are inside the business and we have this business because of our customers, right? So, mm -hmm. well, well, let me go back to that uh, subtitle we talked about because, you know, you say a customer centric culture that drives value for your business. And this is something I know all three of us kind of preach from on high a lot, yes. but, uh, <laughs> you know, there are still leaders out there. There are still business people who say, you know what? Yeah, yeah, customer experience. Yeah, I know it's, it's you know, in vogue to be customer centric, but that doesn't really do anything for the business. So what do you say to those leaders who still today think a customer centric culture does not drive value for their business? Yeah. Well, so I have, I have two parts to that. So the first part is there's this great quote, and I don't remember the exact quote that I used in the book, but, but I wrote about how values drive value. And I think mm -hmm. that was what, one, once I wrote that chapter, I knew that I wanted to have that piece, like driving value as part of the title too, because it's, it's so true. If you have those customer centric values in place, you're going to do the right thing for by and for the customer. And if you have the great those great values in, in place to employees both employees and customers employees want to work for and customers want to do business with companies that have those kinds of values right and, and will mm -hmm. ultimately drive value for them the other the other half of that answer or the other side of that answer would be the last chapter of this book is very similar to the last chapter of my first book where it's an open letter to the CEO about mm -hmm. why this is so important, why we should focus on on the people, why we should focus on customers and how that's ultimately gonna drive value for the business. And I think that it's the closing thought or the closing paragraph where I basically say, and, and it's so funny, I've used this on stage before too and people just, they love it, right? I'm like, just close your eyes for a minute <laughs> and imagine your business without customers mm -hmm. because ultimately that's what it's all about, right? We're in business for customers, about customers, by, you know, all of that. Why are we in business? Because of our customers. And if we don't do right by our customers, then yeah, they're going to go elsewhere. They're going to find, they're going to find somewhere else to go. So um, I, I've been working with a client right now where I'm doing customer interviews and I have uh, half of, half of those customers have had terrible experiences and have said, you know, we are actively looking to, mm -hmm. you know, find another provider because this is so bad. And, and so if we don't take care of our people, if we don't take care of our employees and we don't take care of our customers, they are going to, you know, why are we in business? Right. And right. I always go back to that management adage, you know, we're in business to maximize shareholder value. Well, there's a, there's a means to get there. And that mm -hmm. means is what we need to focus on. And that is, that is the customer. Yes. So, you know, one thing that's interesting uh, as we've been talking, having this discussion, you, know, you and the three of us have been speaking about the relationship between employee experience and customer experience for, for many years. But the thing that has changed is that there is a labor crisis. Yes. Uh, you know, we have the great resignation. And I'm curious because, you know, I know these books are written uh, a good bit in advance. Uh, how you've been viewing some of the principles uh, and some of the ideas you've been writing about as this change has been going on at the same time. 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, I you know, I wrote the book last summer. Um, so that's, so right in the heart of all of this happening, right? You know, so I, I actually do have in the book the story of the Burger King employees who, <laughs> I don't remember the exact words that they had on the sign, but basically saying, you know, we quit, right? Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's what we, that's what it's come to, you know, it's sad that it's come to this. It's sad that, so I'll go back 30 years when I first started my career and I was working at JD Power and Associates and I was like, hey, we need to listen to employees as well as customers and, and companies kept saying later, we'll do it later. Well, guess what? Here it is. It's, it's later or it's too later, right? <laughs> right. You know, so. It's later. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely later. So, and, and it's sad that the pandemic and everything that we've been through in the last couple of years has sort of created that platform for employees to be heard, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so it really is something that, that we need to really look at and make sure that we always take care of our employees. It's, it was funny, you know, to hear that only certain employees were deemed essential. Now I get, I get it. I get what mm -hmm. they were meaning by essential, but every, all, all employees, every industry employees are essential. And I think that's the mind shift that has to happen is that it's not just, not just these frontline workers and not just first responders and, you know, these folks that we absolutely love and adore and have to have, but every employee is an, an essential employee and we need to take care of them as if they were and as, mm -hmm. as if they are, right? So, so well, now employees have a platform. And I think to your point, like aligning the values in the right way uh -huh. helps those employees understand um, how they play a role and stay connected to that and stay connected yep. to the actual end customer as well. So Absolutely. it really does all go together. It when does. will people just <laughs> realize? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's sort of this book, right? This book is sort of that, you know, bang your head on the wall and go, why is this so hard? But it is hard, you know. It is. It is. Absolutely. Jeannie, I actually have an answer to that. People will realize it as soon as they read Built to Win by Annette. Oh, wow. Oh. I think you're right, Adam. I think that and listening to this episode. Agreed. And they'll get it. It will be like, they'll be bum-rushed with knowledge. Bum-rushed with knowledge. I love that segue. That was awesome. <laughs> so, so, Annette, throughout our season, you know, we always wrap up with one question for all of our guests. All right. And, you know, we've talked so much in these last two years, especially, about change, about all the things that have changed, expectations, the experience, the journey, the supply chain, you name it. <laughs> there yep. has been a lot of change going on. So our question for you is, what do you think won't change about customer experience in the future? Uh, I, could, I could answer this so many different ways. <laughs> Did, should I answer it in the positive way or in the negative way? <laughs> I don't know, you but, you, but you only get one, so you choose. <laughs> <laughs> shoot, shoot, I'm, 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 I'm struggling here. All right. Um, I, here's, here's the one thing that I think is not going to change. I don't, I, I'm hoping that it will, but I don't think it will. And that is the whole notion of, um, it, and it kind of all falls into the same bucket of listening to customers and not doing anything with it, focusing mm -hmm. on the metric and just, you know, that whole thing. I just feel like that won't change. You know, like I said, I've been in this space 30 years and it's still the same as it was 30 years ago, you know, that <laughs> companies just check this box and that's it, you know, so mm -hmm. that's sad. I mean, the three of us, we could, we could certainly do our best to try to change that thinking and that doing or not doing, but I think that's, that's sadly here to stay. Wow. 
That's, that's a dead Debbie Downer to end that. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Gonna, but I will say, I will say, there are leaders out there right now who are hopefully changing, who are reading this book, who are listening to us. And um, so it might not change at the macro, but yeah. I have to believe. <laughs> no, it's changing. There's just only so much the three of us can do at one time. It's just, it's just a long, it's a big job. I know we have it's many other job. great colleagues. We have many <laughs> other great do. colleagues who are changing it as well. But it, yeah. it's a, it's a, to your point, Annette, I, I think um, it's a long, it's a very big battle and it's a very big it battle is. at scale. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, and as I write in the the early part of the book, I, I and where in the acknowledgments, right, where I talk about those of us in this profession who have been pushing the noodle up the hill for how long, right? So I think that's I think that's yep. pretty good. <laughs> that's a great that's a great image for all of this. But yes. Well, Annette, we always love having you and discussing customer experience with you. So, where can our listeners find more about you and your book? Well, so this is a this is my big announcement for today. I have a brand new website that oh, um, yeah yeah. So cx-journey.com is not going anywhere. It's staying. It'll it'll always be up and always be updated. But the, um, this week we just launched uh, annettefranz.com, and Ooh. that is all about my books and speaking and all that good stuff. So yeah, Great. so I'm excited to have that. So and then LinkedIn. I'm always happy to connect with uh, folks on LinkedIn. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Annette, and congratulations on the book. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Annette. So Adam, do you think we solved the debate that you proposed in the beginning? Is it employees or customers? (laughs) It's chicken or egg. (laughs) It really is. I think the, the whole idea that, you know, all of this goes together and that leaders really have to understand that when we talk about building a customer-centric culture, that's not a nice to have. That's not a soft idea. It's something that absolutely drives value for your business and something that you have to tie back to the values of your business. 100%. And the, the way I've always looked at that question is what comes first is the relationship between the two. This mm-hmm. understanding how employee experience affects customer experience, how customer experience affects employee experience, and how culture sort of you know provides the atmosphere, the ambiance. I don't know. That's not the right <laughs> word. Uh, you know, but you know the field in which they all play together. And um, you know, I think sometimes you're going to need in, in individual circumstances, you're going to need to put one or the other first, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but across time, across the macro, you got to have both. Yep. Yep. I think you're right. And I think that our conversation is a good starting point. And Annette's book is a great way for folks to dig in on, on how to make this happen within their own organization. And speaking of our own organization, you know who we put first, Adam? I don't know, but I know we're built to win. <laughs> <laughs> we are built to win. And we put our listeners first. Our All the people right now who are with us, we put you first because really that's what this is all about, right? Well, 100%. And I knew that answer because after, you know, 480 something episodes, I, I finally figured out <laughs> what the answer is to the same question you ask every episode. So yes, it is our listeners. They are first. And we thank you all so much. And uh, we're going to keep bringing you some great discussions like this for the rest of the season. Excellent. So thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud member of C-Suite Radio. So be sure to check out all the business content at c 
sorry, csuiteradio.com and csuitetv.com. We appreciate you spending your valuable time with us. I'm Jeannie Walters. You can find me at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam DePork, and you can connect with me at customerswiththatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.